0: Got the lesson, right? I wasn't, that's the lesson. I just, let me say it again, I wasn't able to do it alone. Um, you know, I merged with people I haven't even met and I can't wait to meet them because they embraced me and what I brought to the table and, and together we're gonna go and we're gonna do it.
1: Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living Podcast, where we are reimagining and redefining what it means to be in midlife, where we are gathering energy, momentum, and excitement for our next chapter via candid conversations with other midlifers about their own pivots, pitfalls, and triumphs. I'm Yvonne Marchese, your host, and I'm so happy you're here. Hello, my friend. I... I'm gonna go ahead and tell you a story, and 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 the reason I hesitate is because I don't want to tell this story as a way of making myself look good, or (laughs) or having myself look bad. I run the risk of both with this story, I think. So, anyway, throwing caution to the wind, here we go. I was at the grocery store not too long ago and i had to get the grocery shopping done quickly cuz i had some things going on later in the day and you know when you get in line at the grocery store and you're doing that that calculus that algebra of which line is the best right so i picked a line thinking yeah this looks like the best line it, foreshadowing it wasn't so anyway, um, I get in line and I start to unload the things from my cart, and I fill because the gentleman in front of me looks like he's pretty much ready to go, all right, all his stuff is off the belt, most of the stuff is bagged, and I start to load my stuff onto the belt. I get the belt completely full, and I hear the cashier tell the older gentleman in, in in front of me that the coca-cola that he has purchased that, that got rung up is not included with um wick with with food stamps and i'm like oh wow oh man you know first thought geez uh that's hard and she's telling him this and he doesn't really understand her. He he was Asian. I, I I don't know what, but he's Asian. And clearly there's a little bit of a language thing going there. And I'm going to tell on myself here, maybe I've got some ageism going on, but I'm wondering how much of him not being able to understand her has to do with his age as well. Um, You know, these are the things you think, right? And I... Am there for a bit, and it goes on. The the conversation goes on for a while because he doesn't understand what she's trying to tell him. She's trying to tell him, you just need to pay extra. You need to pay cash or you need to use a debit card to pay for this 12-pack of Coca-Cola. And the conversation goes back and forth and back and forth. And the impatient little snippy part of me is like, oh my gosh, I picked the wrong line. This is where I go first, right? And I'm not proud of it. I'm just gonna tell you that's where that's where I went first. Oh my gosh, I already pulled out all my stuff. Then I'm doing the the, the, the mental math. Right? Am I gonna pull it back off and put it back in my cart and go get another line? And she she goes and and physically pulls the sleeve of Coke out of the shopping bag that it's already been put into, and she tells him, I'm, I'm going to return this. But when she goes to do that, she has problems. So then she calls a manager. I'm like, oh, wow. And that's when it struck me, what am I doing here? I can pay for his Coca-Cola. I can do that. And so I, I told the, the cashier, listen, I'll, I'll pay for it. Let let me go ahead and pay for it. And she was like, wow, are, are you sure? I was like, yeah, absolutely. And at first he didn't understand what was happening. And then he turned to me and he, he realized that I had paid for his coke. And he started um, bowing to me. And I was so moved by that. And the reason I'm telling this story is because I made the decision to do it because I suddenly realized, oh, there I have an opportunity here. I have an opportunity to do an act of kindness for this man in front of me. And I'm benefiting myself because when he pays for, when this gets paid for and he goes, then I can pay for my groceries and I can go and get on with the rest of my day. So this was not entirely selfless, right? And yet his reaction humbled me. Um, And I will tell you that going into the grocery store that morning, you know, some days you have that dark cloud over you. You're feeling low. I, I was feeling very low that day when I got up, just straight out of bed, got up feeling bad, feeling pressured, feeling busy, over busy, overwhelmed and doing this act of kindness flipped everything on its head i suddenly felt lighter yeah that's that's the story and then when i went to leave as i was driving home i i thought what if i were to continue this these acts of kindness. What if I were to just offer out a blessing to every person I pass, every car I pass? Because sometimes I get frustrated with people in other cars. Uh, Frankly, uh, that's where, you know, that's where I'm not my best self. I'm just going to say, I get so frustrated with other drivers. And I thought, what if instead of getting frustrated with other people, I assume that they have the best of intentions, that they're just trying to get through their day to the best of their ability, just just like I am. And I started looking at the people driving by me, and three cars immediately crossed my path, and they all looked so sad and heavy and burdened as they were driving by. and. I thought, well, okay, I'm sending you a blessing. I'm sending you a blessing. I'm saying, who knows if it does them any good, but you know what? It lifted me once again and made me feel better. So all that to say, you know, the power of random acts of kindness, right? So I tell you this story because my guest this week, for her 50th birthday, she set herself a goal to complete 50 acts of service for her 50th birthday, or as she calls it, mitzvah 50. And the whole idea is to do these 50 acts of service for her birthday, which I just think is incredible to take your own birthday, which is supposed to be the day when people give you presents and all that, and instead flip that and give. One of those projects in particular put her in the newspaper, and that's how I heard about what she was doing. And it really caught my attention and my imagination. And I wanted to have her on as soon as I could because what she took on is a full-blown, bonafide passion project. And I think passion projects are so good for us. A passion project inherently gives you purpose when you wake up every day. We benefit from having purpose in our lives. Uh, The Journal of the American Medical Association, they published a study in October of 2017 about the association between purpose in life and the objective measures of physical function in older adults. And what happened is they compared people's physical changes over time with their responses to questions about their purpose in life, you know, wh- about whether or not they go about their days aimlessly or if they have goals for the future. And they found a significant leak that those people with a higher purpose in life had a 13% decreased risk of developing a weak grip. A weak grip. And I thought to myself, well, who cares about the weak grip? But I guess that is, it's a a significant indicator of aging. And those same people also had a 14% decreased risk of developing a slow walk than those with a, a lower purpose. And that slower walk is, again, another measure of aging of Of decline in aging, I'm not just going to say aging, but the decline that can come with aging. And for some people in their in their study, those people with a high level of purpose were even associated with an increase in their walking speed over time, which had an effect like equivalent to being two and a half years younger than than their you know actual age. I mean, for a while now, I've been thinking that purpose is key to feeling younger, that that having purpose, that putting yourself into situations of learning new things and challenging yourself is going to keep you younger in mind and spirit anyway. So there you go. It was a long introduction today, but I got excited about it. I went down a rabbit hole, started doing research, and there you go. So I'm so excited for you to meet my guest today. She's an old friend of mine. Without further ado, here's Lisa Strom. Let's go. Hey, Lisa, thank you so much for being with me today.
0: Thank you so much for
1: having me. I'm so honored. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to talk to you. So I always like to say how I know people and man, we, we go way
0: back. I think pre, pre pre-children for me.
1: Pre-children for you.
0: No way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 17 years, something like that. Oh my gosh.
1: So I worked with Lisa's husband who kept me sane. I will just say at this job that we were at together. Um, I remember getting this overwhelmed feeling all the time. And he would turn to me and be like, Yvonne, how do you eat an elephant? And I'd be like, I don't know. He'd be like one bite at a time. And his desk would always be pristinely clean and tidy and organized. And my I just have piles of crap everywhere.
0: Hilarious. So it was hilarious. Well, so anyway, and now- Like creative people do. You had, you know, a lot going on. Yes, a lot going on. He he can't he can't play with Legos. It's overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh my yeah. gosh.
1: So when I when I opened up, it must have been social media of some sort, probably Facebook that that caught my eye and it had this story about you and some other teachers who were being honored, and I was like, this is so cool. So. Yeah. I want to first I just want to clear the decks here for you to talk about your project. And and one of the reasons I was excited to talk to you I just have to tell you before I, before I have you dive in is because I am such an advocate for the idea of people taking on passion projects for what they can do for you as the person doing the passion project the growth potential that's there when you take on something big and scary and excite, something you want to do clearly. Right. And so when I saw what you were up to, I just got so excited and
0: I knew I needed to get in touch with you right away and have you on. Thank you so much. Um, So that idea of passion projects, I I agree with wholeheartedly. I I try to have one much smaller than this, but all the time, right. If you have any interests, you would have projects that you enjoy doing. Um, It's interesting because I I know that there's always a lot of debate over doing a very large project where you also benefit, right? So I'm going to do something where I volunteer. um, And it's getting a lot of positive publicity locally because I won this Fund for Teachers grant. Um, And when I went to Fund for Teachers, I don't know if you're familiar with it at all, but they give grants to teachers who want to do a passion project. And in some way you're going to bring this back to your local school and you're going to impact students in relation to whatever you studied or wherever you traveled. So my passion project was partly to visit Africa because I love to travel and visit and learn about different cultures and partly to have a large impact in education as a whole. And I think as a 30 year, this will be my 30th year of teaching. I think as a 30 year veteran teacher, I have that. I've got thousands and thousands of kids who successfully passed English, right? (laughs) Um, But you think about, and as we were saying before the podcast started, you think about turning 50 and you think about measuring how much have I accomplished that perhaps I thought about when I was much younger. And this project actually is something that I thought about more than 20 years ago. So I was invited to um, be the advisor of a student club at a school that I was teaching. Maybe this was 23, 24, 25 years ago. And it was for this organization. I'm wearing my shirt, Build On. At that time, it was called Building with Books. And what they did was it was a small local organization. They sent in a representative who came in to the students after school and taught about global issues, issues that are um, causing struggle, causing inequity in Mm -hmm. developing countries. And at that time, they were building primarily in Nicaragua, Guatemala, and Africa. And what they would do is they would ask students to do local community service in exchange for and fundraising in exchange for the service that students did. They could then apply to go to the site and physically build the school. And every year, we sent two students from my club to Africa or Nicaragua or whatever country the school really got to pick usually Mm -hmm. Um, and it was called Trek and the kids would get to go on like a teen tour but they would physically break ground, make the bricks, dig the foundation and and begin building the school living in this village. So I was the teacher, faculty advisor of this club for many years and and had some unique ideas for raising money. One year I got the most valuable advisor award. Um, That was really fun. Um, for just thinking outside of the box. I raised a pretty decent amount of money with that club each year. And I would think, you know, do advisors ever get to go? Because I would be interested. And at that time, no. Um, so I leave that job, I get married, have a kid, have another job, you know, whatever. Life goes on. Uh-huh. I turn 50 and I think, I'm going to call Bill on I'm going to reach out to them and see if I could go on one of those tracks. And so I reached out to them and I said, do you ever have just like community members raise the money and we're not bringing kids? And they said, yes, we do community teams. Start a team. So I started a community fundraising page, which was maybe you saw that at some time on Facebook. I, and I just started know? just started raising money on my own. And it really started with just like asking my friends for donations. So you get a handful of donations. Nobody wants to go with me because it's post COVID. People are afraid to travel, Mm -hmm. Um, really nobody. And I also found that it was very hard to raise money for something internationally. So here's something else in in sort of the culture of fundraising, that Mm -hmm. when you're raising money for something local, people are very, very generous and often ask how they can help. When they're not deeply connected, um, I found I was getting much smaller donations, much less excitement, I had to work much harder Hmm. to build why, why global service was important, which sort of brings me to, you know, your passion project comment. Um, Does it matter that I'm going to gain so much out of completing service learning in relation to what I'm giving, right? So if you're truly, if you're truly doing service, you should just be giving, 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 giving. But The act of the volunteer, the role of the volunteer is so powerful that I know this passion project, I'm gonna gain probably more um, than the project in itself. Now everyone would say, if you're there, right? Of course not. Look, you're giving this community a school. They don't have a school. But I think the passion project is so important to how it can um, ripple into a deeper commitment to giving. Moving forward, and I think that that's where I want to see my life go. When I leave teaching, I want to look at nonprofit giving, um, fundraising, building maybe more global awareness for issues that do impact the world. Education impacts the whole world. Just because they're in Africa doesn't mean that doesn't somehow trickle to all other uh, like, industries you know, and countries. Yeah, <laughs> and
1: I've I've heard this. Um, I've heard of this issue with with international fundraising before. I have a friend who has a, a nonprofit down in Guatemala, and and there can be some resistance within mm-hmm. the community where you know where we do the fundraising, where people. It's mm-hmm. exactly what you said. People are like, we have people who need help here. Why are we sending our money there? And the thing that I think is become more obvious to me than ever during the pandemic is how connected we all are Mm -hmm. it 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 is no longer you know it's not us and them it is one big we you know we are intrinsically connected despite oceans or inner
0: you know national borders or whatever hopefully that is one positive that came out of the pandemic, right? Had um, access to medicine and education been equal, maybe even that would have been different, right? Um, but I agree, I think we have to think globally. We have to think more um, more collectively about every issue that impacts daily life for people, the quality of life for people. Um, and. It's not to say that you're not also giving locally. So I initially started um, when I was 49, I'm gonna do 50 acts of community service. And I'm already doing a lot of community service. I volunteer at practically every free opportunity that I have. Um, I was gonna count them (laughs) essentially. Uh Let's see, do I do 50 in a year before I turn 50? And then when I turn 50, I'm gonna do something really big. Um, so I did, I counted them and of course it wasn't hard to do 50 because if you count every small act of service that you can do within your community, even just when you volunteer at your kid's school, you're still doing service, mm-hmm. but because it was the pandemic, there was such a need. So by deciding to do something global, doesn't mean I'm not going to do something local, right? It's mm-hmm. that you can do both. You can be a yes. And Yeah. You can do both. Yeah. Um, so I haven't had to sacrifice or diminish anything that I do locally in order to do this. I did this in addition to um regular giving and regular service learning. Yeah. Um,
1: I didn't realize that your connection to build on had gone back so far. Yeah. That that this this so I can see how this is something that is such a such a natural um curiosity right yeah you you know i i have to question why we always feel like there has to be this selflessness involved in acts of service or just life like selfish gets such a bad rap (laughs) It really right. does. I I, right. I I genuinely think it, it's in our nature. We are selfish people. That and, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Be, if no. if you can take it and use it in a way that that helps to benefit other people, but not at the sacrifice of your own well-being, how does that serve anybody? Right. You know, so so I feel like there's this, you know, I, I, I see in you this struggle around the idea of like, am I am I am I doing this for me or am I doing this for 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 the good of other people? I think, again, there's a yes. And
0: yeah, you know? I agree. And the more involved I get, the more I'm learning that because um, we are intrinsically connected to humanity to one another like you mentioned so that that's that's the selfless part i'm sorry that's the selfish part right that i enjoy this connection to other people and my connection to the people i'm going to meet in this experience are going to be the motivating factor for the financial fundraising, right? For the part that gives them the school.
1: Yeah, so Um, let's go into, just for real quick, let's go into a little bit of detail about what this project looks like.
0: Yes. You're gonna be there for two weeks? uh, Just under, I'm actually coming back in time to start school here. (laughs) Okay, So So, and you're um, going at the end of August, right? I'm going at the end of August. And so the logistics, so what happens is, we have, um, so I'm part of a larger team. I um, did about, by the time I'm done, I'm still in two fundraising projects right now. By the time I'm done, I will have raised, uh, give or take a thousand dollars, around 15,000. It costs 30 to build a school. So I merged with some other adults who had also been raising money um, and are, didn't have a huge group of people Um, to want to actually travel, so we're going to travel together. And so I have some new colleagues, some new team members from Germany, France, and Switzerland. So I've never met them. I'm actually meeting them tomorrow on a Zoom. Wow. Um, And we just pulled all our money together. So their fundraising plus my fundraising plus my colleagues' fundraising came to enough to fund the school 100%. So we're funding um, really everything from getting the permits, right, to the axe pick needed to do the labor, you know, so all the materials needed, um, but the actual labor is the people. So we go and get the project started, and we also work with the villagers in the village where we're building the school, and they then will work for another two months to finish the building and put the roof on. So we get to really, participate very superficially because we're just getting the foundation built but then they'll lay bricks for another month or so um to build the entire school and um but it will be our team school because we'll have paid for it in full and then um and you stay with a family a local family (laughs) while you're there right yes and you know the expectation is that you teach some basic English that you completely immerse yourself in their lives. If they have a farm, you're gonna help on the farm. Um, you really become a part of the village while you're there and they can you know, really soak up as much as they can about um, the rest of the world from the team members. And Build On is great because they do daily team building sessions. They do a lot of learning um, about culture but also about sustainability, because this particular country, Malawi, you know, is um, one of the poorest countries in the world. And they're faced with the struggle of being primarily agricultural, but they've suffered from um, land um, degradation, they've suffered from deforestation, they suffer from drought. Um, and so they've always lived in this extreme poverty they didn't have a school building right they had school they go to school outside and they're you know subject to the elements um and even just you know bugs and, and it's just not conducive right so the reason build on goes to these countries is because the village makes a commitment that not only are they going to utilize the building but they make a commitment that um, school is equitable men and women and boys and girls can go often in villages girls don't go to school mm-hmm. um So and they all sign a contract that that that's going to happen, that the the girls are going to go to school equally and that women can be trained in the evenings and they're pushing, you know, just increasing literacy and then um, entrepreneurship, thinking about other ways to make a living when farming isn't sufficient, because for most of them, there's no industry in in some of these outlying villages of of Malawi. They're nowhere near the city. They're very remote. and so they're learning some basic English. They're learning really to, to continue their education. And wow. then Build On puts in some other, some other resources for them. There's a literacy program that they can continue to have long past the building of the school. Um, and I may continue and do that as well, where you go back and you work on building literacy um, because literacy is really key, right? Malawi is also the, the largest continual spread of AIDS and HIV still. Um, really? and again, that's because of education, lack of education, hmm. um, 80% of the population remains, um, illiterate over the age of 15. So, wow. you know, they're, they're, when we talk about making impact, how do you not impact the global world when you bring education that increases sustainability and growth and prevention, um to anyone, anywhere in the world. So, you know, on many levels, it's important to me. It's important that it's equitable, that girls are going to go to school. It's important Mm -hmm. that I'm going to live with a family with another mother who's trying to have the same thing we all want, right, for her own family, um, on top of being able to provide the the funds.
1: Wow. And have you been in touch with the family that you're going to be with at all up to now do, do you get nothing to till arrival no
0: nope. <laughs> wow. no they have no electricity they don't have running water I mean they would have no they have no yeah. global contact wow no nope. literally that day so how do they
1: so 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 this somebody's on the ground there now then I imagine is there somebody who is local who is the the Path builder for you to, that says, Hey, this is your family, and they kind of prepare them and give them information about you and how to be ready for you and all yes. that?
0: Yes, 100%. So, Build On actually has an African based, Africa based staff. And so they have a liaison and translators. I mean, I think there's even a doctor um in malawi who takes care of all the permits does all the communication with the village sets up all the arrangements they do inspections of the homes um, they have to you know also make sure that they're coordinating with the local government right that we're allowed to be there we're allowed to build there and that this is going to be a school and that the, the these villagers are going to attend this school yeah so build on makes a major global investment in having staff there all the time to facilitate growth, to continue building, to work with families, even to work after, to make sure that they have what they need to utilize. Right, because that's a big deal. I mean, the the, the friend who
1: I mentioned um, earlier, her program in Guatemala, it started with her going down there 20 years ago and as a language immersion thing, I believe. And when she started to see how, um, how desperate the need was for education down there. She started tutoring, but then she realized tutoring wasn't enough. These kids weren't, they weren't getting fed. They were hungry. So by the time they'd get to her for tutoring in the afternoon, you know, so many of the kids aren't completing school because of family issues, because they need to go to work, because they have to help support the family, because, because, because like, All these reasons, right? So they are doing, so they're addressing that beyond the build, Mm
0: -hmm. that
1: there's support for these, for these communities to then keep that going. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. And especially for girls, because they would drop out often after elementary school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you think of um, health and safety and prevention in a family, that is often the mother. Yeah. And so you have these women having families and they don't know how to take care of their own health. Um, So it really starts with educating on, you know, your own health and safety, um, but also increased literacy to consider something maybe other than agriculture in the long term, yeah, Um, or or look for other solutions for some of the agricultural struggles that they're having.
1: And it Um, sounds like it's all very community-based too. So they're once once this structure is in place, then the community is is driving the maintenance the everything it's it's not like 100 right it's not like Mm -hmm. forgive me but you know the great white savior coming in and and doing this thing this sounds very community
0: driven from from their culture Mm -hmm. yeah yep and every family is expected to contribute so many hours to the physical build Mm -hmm. so it's really like we've done this together and they they have ownership over it and um and it's so funny because i've been doing a little research about malawi um and learning you know about the country and what some of the struggles are and everything that i read which i think is where i'm really going to gain and learn says that they're considered the happiest people on earth that when you go to malawi they don't wallow in their poverty they live um in very people-centered, community-centered lives um, where it's really about being together, working together, living together, eating together, celebrating together. um, And that when you go there, one of the most notorious things people have spoken of is the joy they have in just meeting you and being with you and um, sitting around the fire and talking and playing Boy, cards and singing we could and really
1: that. learn from that couldn't we
0: so i find that also really um what i'm the most excited for is just this people who everything i've read says that they are they just live in joy um and that's phenomenal right here we we take stock a lot here right what do i have um mm-hmm. that's not a part of their nature it's really who do i have right um Wow. and so i hope that you know that inspires me to bring some of that some of that back you know so in exchange for my um grant my fund for teachers grants i am gonna have um my seniors i teach ap seniors so i'm gonna have and i've there's a program with college board that now includes service learning in class so i'm gonna have a service learning component included in each of my courses so that my students get out of the classroom and connect with people. And I think it's in this age of technology, it's even more important. Yeah. That- what does that look
1: like in, a, in, a, um, in an AP English class? What, what does a service learning component look like?
0: It's going to be however I want it to be. <laughs> <laughs> so um, since what I'm doing is about access to education, Uh I'm really going to allow that to to be the thread that I try to weave into what we read and study and ask the students to find opportunities to support access to education. So it may be by reaching out to younger students and tutoring. It may Uh be by fundraising for something like Build On. It may be by offering, um, you know, to do something small like a book drive right, and, and provide free books to students. This, the students will get to design what they want, um, but I'm gonna weave a thread of access and learning through every unit.
1: Very cool, wow. Um, so I have to wonder, you you haven't gone on the trip yet, but you've been preparing for the, how long has this process been in in place? You started fundraising when?
0: last August. It'll be almost a year to the day. Yeah. So I started fundraising last August and um it started very small, you know, people were giving me $10, $20, and I was like, I was thinking more like 200 per person. <laughs> so that's when I had to start working on the grants um wow. and and having some bigger bigger ideas. So I'm doing um a technology fundra- a technology fundraiser where we're going to recycle old technology. So I've been collecting computers for months and months and months from everybody and, um, trying to, to use the school system, right. Cause they often flip with new, with new materials. Yeah. Um, and then I'm working Great with idea. an organization that does that. There's um, that innovation then, you were talking about <laughs> that. Yeah. And I'm working with an organization that cleans, you know, all the technology and then they use whatever they can use any money I make from that, um, doesn't come to me at all. They're going to give it directly to build up. So, um, even though the school in Malawi is funded, I have some excess funds. So I've started raising for next year already. Wow. That's amazing. I'm going to keep keep doing it. And, you know, like I said, when you start to think about the ability to have an impact, I'm already thinking of next year. Great. If I have excess funds, why don't I just keep rolling? Let's see what else I can come up with. Maybe I'll do you know another school. Maybe I'll just send students next year, but I'll Given them a kickstart in their fundraising with what I have so far. Um, so I think, I hope this is the beginning of a long, um, long relationship with build on and hopefully a long relationship with service, service on a much larger, larger level than, you know, taking tickets at the pride fair, which I think is what I'm doing Saturday.
1: <laughs> yeah. What, I have to <laughs> yeah. ask then. So this has been going on for, for very close to a year. What, I've got two questions. I think I want to ask you. Let's start with the first. Let's start with this one. What do you wish you had known when you started down this down this project path?
0: I wish I had known more about um, how to explain to people how interconnected we are, so that I could address that. Um, avoidance of giving money outside of the US. Mm. I think that I think that if we could, I, I don't I was always raised to believe, and maybe that's because I was poor, <laughs> um, um, that you know, if your neighbor becomes stronger, so do you. Right? That we all gain, When one person gains, we all gain. right? The idea that we don't share the gains more, um, is something politically that bothers me very much. You know, access to education means we all get stronger, we all get smarter. Collectively, we can all do more. Um, that's something that on a much more philosophical scale weighs on my conscience. You know, when I watch TV and I look at our our political divide, right, Yeah. this whole us and them, um, those are the kind of things that I, I think I'm trying to make up for. Um, you know, during COVID, I recall some of this, some of this too comes out of, of COVID. During COVID, I recall, you know, sitting on Zooms with my classes and um, in my own community And and when my daughter was trying to attend class, teachers were having debates over whether or not it was good teaching, right, to be trying to teach kids in the room and kids on the screen at the same time. And I thought to myself, and I would think, because I was doing that, right? I was teaching kids in the room and kids on the screen at the same time. I have, you know, held my laptop in one hand and I walked around and, you wow. know, and was it was it my best teaching? Hell no. Um, did my kids read, you know, Tale of Two Cities? No. Um, but part of my taking stock as an educator and, and doing this program is about the humanity in education. I became an educator because I like children, not because I like Shakespeare. I mean, yes, I love Shakespeare, you know that. Mm -hmm. Um, But that, I would have been an actor, right? You're a teacher because of just loving to be with kids. So to not have that connection during that entire time of COVID was very, very hard for me. And I think a lot of educators, the connection is so deeply a part of what we do. And, you know, learning is the byproduct of the relationships, I think. I don't think I go in intending to learn. I go in intending to connect with people.
1: I love that. It sounds like that's been a big part of the journey for you. And so that's, that's my next question I think is what have you learned? And and let's take this to that selfish thing. What (laughs) have you learned about yourself since you took on doing this project? What, what did you hope would, it would look like and what's the reality so far, or are you even able to kind of, is it too
0: soon? Do you know? I think that it will be different after I've been, but I can definitely say there's been a huge learning curve now because, um, you know, some of it is, is, as I had said earlier, it is sad. Some of it is I was taking stock of where I was and I really wanted to have a big impact and here we were stuck in a pandemic and things were sad and sort of disconnected and um, I just i don't know i was i guess i was seeking something right i was seeking something bigger than myself and i always thought that that was going to be being an educator right and i spent much of my career doing nothing but working um teaching summer school tutoring after school going home going to the library studying 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 getting another master's degree getting another master's degree getting another master's degree <laughs> you know i i really did nothing but build myself up as an educator and i worked, work 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 Um, I've slowed down. This project was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Getting money is a lot harder than anything else, (laughs) right? Not money for yourself because you can go get a job. Right. But like asking people for money was hard. Raising money for something that I was the only one who seemed to care was hard. Um, and so I stopped doing so much that I guess I can account for on paper. And I started doing a lot more that just focused in on what I wanted to accomplish, which was to, to earn enough to get this school to happen, or at least connect with enough other people to make it happen, right? Because I wasn't able to do it alone, which in and of itself is so heroish, right? <laughs> like I wasn't able to do it alone, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? right? That's the lesson, right? I wasn't, that's the lesson. I guess, Let me say it again, I wasn't able to do it alone um you know i merged with people i haven't even met and i can't wait to meet them because they embraced me and what i brought to the table and and together we're gonna go and we're gonna do it um so i think the learning curve what i wish i had known is a little bit more of just the um the strategies i guess that people use to to gain buy-in right to a project i thought i had those um so I had to be really creative on my own, reach out, you know, I reached out to people who wouldn't help. Um, I'm working on another project. I'm fundraising for this, or, you know, people have to make decisions yeah. about what, what they're going to give money to or what they're going to get involved in. So I really felt alone through a lot of it. I was really trying to make this work. And sometimes I was like, it looks like I'm not going to gain any more. I can't get any more money. I don't know But I wrote the grant. And I was really, um, Inspired by Fund for Teachers, I have to say, when I went to Fund for Teachers to get the money, right? To, to you go and you go to this dinner. They have this beautiful dinner where they celebrate teachers, you know, making an impact essentially. And then they they physically give you the check, and it's such an honor. And they cheer for you, and they're so excited, and they tell everybody what your project is. And then I hear the projects of other people, um, and I think, oh my god, there's so many like-minded people like me there are other people like me who just have a passion project and they're going to turn it into something that's a learning opportunity for them and for others. And that's what this whole fund for teachers thing is about. And this is, this is a local woman. This is Barbara Dalio. This is her project that she really funds through the Dalio foundation fund for teachers is national, but um, in Connecticut, it's the Dalios. And um, I hope one day to meet her. I know she lives right there in Greenwich, but I don't know if I'll ever get to meet her, but, You know, she believed in teacher's passion project. So I met this gentleman sitting at the dinner. He's going to Syria and he's actually going to walk the path of a refugee and then, and document it for his history class. Wow. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm only going to build some bricks. My project's nothing compared to his project. And so there are teachers all over the world doing these incredible incredible things. Wow. Um, You know, even the two other teachers who won in my community with me, one is going to create her own virtual field trip through Egypt.
1: Wow. You know, it sounds to Um, me like what you've, what you've learned, I'll just give you my, 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 what I'm observing. Your, your wisdom. (laughs) Is that it started off as this, you know, when you start a big project, right, there's excitement, right? And then you come up against those, those walls, the, the struggle, the, you know, it's the hero's journey, right? It's like all (laughs) of a sudden, so you've set out on this adventure with high hopes, right? And then you hit the walls and and the, and the, and the, and the, and it's a very lonely endeavor. It, that's where you it get be. to the point of like, I'm alone in this. It's the struggle, right? Only to come and find that you are not
0: alone. No, there are people doing amazing things. And and I think fun for teachers is something that I'm going to get involved in as well. They use former grant, right? Grant winners as mentors for young teachers. They have a whole series of, of areas for volunteering for building, you know, programming for teachers. I think that, yeah, it, I definitely see a huge future for myself beyond my classroom, which also feels great at this age that like turning 50 wasn't like, oh, I'm almost retired. Turning 50 is like, what am I doing next? Because I have a list this long of things I'd like to still do. And that's very empowering too. Oh my gosh.
1: I mean, before that we turn like- on the record button, um, I mean, we were talking about that that feeling that you were having of, of, of getting older. So I, I, I kind of want to go back to that since you brought this up. So you, you're turning 50 and you feel like you're just getting started. I feel the same way. I feel like th- this is just the beginning. I mean, it, you know, it was before, right before I turned 50 that I, I did some self-work and I started and I, and, and I started to take better care of myself. Again, this is getting back to being selfish, right? Um, I, and once I started to feel better physically and energetically, what started to happen is I started to get curious about my next 20 to 30 years, Mm -hmm. you know, if, if I can stay healthy, what might I be able to do? And, and even, and at this point now, now I'm realizing that even if, um, I lose my sight or I lose my hearing or you know, the, the decline of, of old age happens that I feel now like I will figure out a workaround so that I can keep having impact in some way that's meaningful right. to me. And I feel like that that is so important for everybody. And that we're expected as we get older to slow down, step aside, there's a resignation that I think so many people feel about what it means to age is, is decline is, yeah. you know, and, and does it have to be that way? I don't think it does.
0: Absolutely not. And I, and I will, it won't be, I'm not going to allow it to be right. Um, no, I, I, I agree hundred percent. I think, I think that some of that is in the culture of the workplace that, you can be um a sage in your profession but you can also be oh her (laughs) you you know (laughs) always got something to say i think that's who i've become oh yeah she's always got something to say um because when they get the and i was this way too i mean i love when young people come into my profession and i can hear what they what they've been doing in graduate school and what they bring to and i love you know what they bring to the table and i find that very inspiring. I didn't expect that to mean that my voice was less important. Um but there starts to be conversations and you hear them very subtly about like um you know well how much longer do you have? <laughs> I'm like well i hope i have till i don't know 110. <laughs> do you mean to live? What? How much <laughs> and they really mean like how much longer are you going to work? How much longer are you going to be here? Are you just, you know, How close are you to your retirement?
1: And the implicit question there is, are you biding your time until you get to quit and leave and and retire? Are you just, are you just writing out your time? And therefore less invested. Yeah. Right? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's an old model of thinking about aging that, that we don't need to have anymore. People are living longer. What do you expect them to do with the extra 20 years that, what so so you're going to take that wealth of information and experience and mm-hmm. wisdom and just say mm-hmm. okay go your happy way now and go play golf or
0: i mean that's <laughs> fine i'd love to play golf but i also believe that my brain <laughs> is very powerful now because what i did get from 50 is um a level of calm Mm-hmm. In my ability and confidence in what I know, so I, I can say that that comes and that's valuable, right? I was a hot-headed, prove what I know, thirty-year-old. Um, that's sort of gone, and now I just know what I know, and and feel very empowered to execute it in a variety of ways, like giving, or you know, I I started a book, so you know, I'll write. And, um, I do think very intensely about, um, what my next profession will be. I'm not going to not have one. I'm not going to not do something because I just have too many interests. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So yeah, now I joke about retirement with my colleagues. Yep. By the time that happens, I'll be gone, but not gone, gone, gone. I'll have moved on to something much more fun. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I do, I do think traveling and, and service and maybe a nonprofit, maybe I'll, you know, finish a book. I think all of those things sound more fun than the workplace. So 50 can be inspiring, but it does, it does come with its set of, you know, what's my role here in the workplace. And also, like you said, take care of yourself and, and, and think about your own longevity and your own health and, and what you really want you know also when you're raising family much of what you're doing is what others want right so mm-hmm. and and my family's still young right I still have a teenager but it's almost more important to me now that she's a teenager that at 50 I show her um energy and spirit not yeah not putting not putting my feet up by yeah. any means right I want yeah. her to see a fiery, fiery, active person.
1: I think the more people see that, the more that the younger generation sees older people fiery and active and engaged, then that opens up possibility for them because they're going to be old someday, (laughs) you know? And for me, I was so afraid of getting old. I have always been more afraid of old age than of dying you know? Yeah. I can see why. I can see why. There's the, you know, you, you think about the lack of independence that tends to come with it. The, you know, the irrelevance, the, you know,
0: the irrelevance, the judgment of what you can handle. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just the, the idea of not, not being self-sufficient for me is just, you know, and I have to say, more and more, I'm starting to even question. Well, why am I so afraid of that? <laughs> right. You know.
0: Right. Right. You is can that, have pretty much anything at your doorstep. <laughs>
1: right. Is is that horrible to to not be independent? Like, you know, when you're a baby, you're not, and somebody takes care of you. And maybe it's just part of the cycle. Is
0: is that 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 that's what happened. But anyway, I'm I'm going far afield. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but you know when you again, what I'm going to learn, I'm sure from other cultures is that not everybody dismisses each generation when the new generation, you know, it starts to take over that, right? Asian cultures, your grandparents live with you and you're honored, right? And you're so deeply respected that you're included in everything. Um, it's sort of American culture that youth is what we champion
1: mm-hmm. and
0: youth, is great, but I really appreciate the wisdom that comes with age. Yeah. Um, and I mean, let's face it at 20, I wouldn't have had the financial stability to do anything that I do now Yeah, as well. Right. I've taken care of my family. I have a home. I can give too. Yeah. Um, so some of that selfishness is necessary to balance the ability to give more. And I, I that's that's worth being proud of right that you had to build something for yourself before you can build something for someone else yeah otherwise what do you have to offer so um you know we're sort of coming full circle to that debate and i think i'm ready to squash it yeah i'm not even going to entertain that anymore (laughs) all right (laughs) right uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) so i had to get to this point to be able to have an impact globally? How many people didn't try to have an impact globally? Like I, I'm very proud that I can do this. I'm very proud. I'm proud. You should to meet, be. I'm proud to meet these people who live in such a remote place. I'm proud that they're going to welcome me there. Um, I mean, talk about learning about how, how humanity works. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I think as an educator, if I don't continue to have my faith in people, then I'm not gonna be effective in anything that I do because everything I do is about people. Yeah. Um, And so this project is really, I I think it's gonna be great, great as a role for for students to see with regard to age, but also with regard to impact, right? That like you can give, you can give of yourself, you can start projects, you can join other people on their projects. Yeah, I think I I think think we need to talk
1: again. I think we I think we need to schedule something for, I don't know, maybe let the dust settle a little bit after you get back and, you know, maybe maybe in six months after after, you know, when you've kind of had the time to let it all steep. and uh and and look back on it a little bit I think maybe we need to talk again and see what it was actually like to to go and do it and where are they in the process at that point of like is the school done is it up and working how is that going do
0: they keep it I still have so many
1: questions so
0: yeah 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 I mean I certainly hope so yeah um yeah it should be finished yeah I would love that I would love to show you and and the people that I mean and That would be amazing. That okay. would be amazing. Okay,
1: it's a date. We're going to figure it, it out and it. revisit this and it'll be part two. How can people um, support you at this point? I mean, you, you've you done the fundraising for this first this particular build, yes. but it sounds like you're going to continue to do the fundraising mm-hmm. beyond and on and on, right? So is there a way that people can, uh, can get in touch with you and donate?
0: Sure. Um, yes. I'm just going to look up the number. I have a website on Build On. You can go onto the Build On website, which is buildon.org, and you can go to community teams. And my team is Mitzvah 50, number 50. So, Mitzvah in Judaism is uh, an act of kindness. I did not know that. Yes. So, to do a Mitzvah is to do uh, a kindness. Uh, yeah. Huh.
1: I had no so, idea. Yeah, I thought it was more. See, there you go. The, the The Catholic girl talking to you. I thought it was more more of a of a rite of passage, age related. Um, because you think
0: bat mitzvah or bat yeah, mitzvah. Right? yeah. And
1: then with your mitzvah fifty, I was I was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, it does fit that it's sort Absolutely. of a rite of passage.
0: When you talk about mitzvot, you talk about um, the commandments in the Old Testament and charity. And the idea of giving is one of the major commandments in Judaism that we really celebrate and focus on. So people keep sadaka, which would be like you put your spare change and, and you, you intend to donate daily. Um, and so mitzvah, to do a mitzvah would be any kind of giving. Um, now, when you say bar or bat mitzvah, I think of that person giving their life to Judaism, right? They decide they're going to live in the Jewish faith as an adult.
1: Okay.
0: But I have mitzvah, a whole new understanding. Mitzvah is giving, yeah. That is amazing. So it's Mitzvah 50, and this I wanted to do a little mitzvah.
1: So cool. So we go to buildon.org, we look up community teams, and we look for Mitzvah 50. And I'm going to have that in the show notes um, so that if anybody is confused about anything, Maybe we'll even put a little link. I can send you, I can send you a link. Yeah. 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 So we'll get a little link. People can go click and done. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my goodness. I'm just thrilled. I can't wait to hear the update on how it goes. I wish you a safe and, and just, uh, what am I trying to say? I hope that this is just a, a blossoming for you. You know, that it is just
0: everything that you would hope thank you like your podcast is for you that's your mitzvah right you're giving people access to all these other amazing people right so we're we are not alone (laughs) we are not alone (laughs) the late bloomers of the world right and we're not even late bloomers we're we're accumulators we've accumulated that's all this right. wisdom. Right? It's never too and late,
1: man. Never too never, late. Never
0: ever. No, nope. <laughs> I'm gonna be sixty-five on a surfboard if I can have anything to say. Right about on, it. <laughs> I'm
1: gonna be next to you. Come on. Come on, let's do it.
0: <laughs> you can delete totally. I have an extra paddle board, uh, so you know see? if you want to do that, come on out with me. Definitely. <laughs> all right, good. <laughs> all right, it I was awesome I can't thank you, you enough. You. It was so great to see you. Thank you. And thank you so so much.
1: Well there you have it. My conversation with Elisa really got me curious about how having purpose can improve our lives as we age. And I did end up going down a research rabbit hole as I do. So I put a couple of links to articles in the show notes for anyone like me who likes their rabbit holes. It's really fascinating. And something I read also suggested that purposeful living has been linked through other studies to living a longer life, a lower risk of disease, getting better sleep and generally healthier behavior. And that people can increase their sense of purpose in life by cultivating hobbies and relationships, helping others and practicing mindfulness. I thought that was interesting. So, and that also brings us back to acts of kindness You know, remember last week when I decided to take on the 100 Days of Joy Challenge? Well, I'm just thinking, wouldn't it be great to include random acts of kindness into our daily joy challenge? And and what do you say that we don't worry about whether or not we're doing it to benefit ourselves or others? You know, whether we're being selfless or selfish in our motivation. It can only create more good in the world, and goodness knows we need that right now for sure. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week. Stay safe and well. Talk soon.